How do you heal after all your hopes and dreams are taken away in a heartbeat? How do you carry on after a spouse dies tragically? How can you trust God through that loss? My next guest has advice for widows coming out of this trauma. So join us as we explore more of this conversation and stay with us. So my guest today is Sarah Scheiber. She's a mother of three children, lost her husband on mile marker 18 of the Chicago Marathon, and he was only 35. Her documented journey is written in the book, A Journey Called Grief, a month-by-month reference for those who grieve. You know, Chad was six foot two, 165 pounds. He was a police officer. He was the picture of health. Uh, We live in Michigan and he certified police officers to be bicycle policemen and policewomen. And, um, you know, we had no suspicion that anything was wrong. And literally in mile 18, he collapsed. And um, I had an investigation done after the fact and uh, found out that before he hit the ground, he was gone. Um, so it happened that that fast. Uh, we now know that my daughter, who is now 26 years old, she was 11 at the time, um, we know that she has something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder that you're born with. And we suspect that that is what killed Chad. Um, it can make your organs rupture and Um, basically his heart ruptured and then his brain ruptured in an instant. And there was a lot of controversy surrounding the marathon that year. It was very hot. We knew it would be hot, but um, they ran out of water and Gatorade on the course. And so over 300 runners collapsed. (gasps) Um, Only one died and it was Chad. And you know, the, um, the events of that day were extremely chaotic and um, the, the city of Chicago was in tremendous, um, I remember being on the phone with my sister, I couldn't find Chad and um, there were runner, you could keep track of a runner based on a chip on their shoe. And so all of our family was like watching out for us. Where were we? What checkpoints had we been through? And I said to her, can you please go see if you can find him? Has he crossed a checkpoint yet? And um, she said, honey, what is that noise? And I said, it's sirens. And it sounded like 9-11, if you recall, just the, the sound, the deafening sound of the sirens. And that's what that day was in Chicago. And um It took a a couple hours and um, a man came to the door of my hotel room and knocked and said, Mrs. Scheiber. And um, I I basically knew then and he kind of tried to make small talk. And he was actually a podiatrist from the Chicago area who had been just behind Chad when he collapsed. And he stayed with him uh, and then came and found me to tell me. And you know, um, there's, there's no, there's no way 
to prepare. Uh, you know, I was a police officer's wife. I certainly knew that risk was in our world every day. And there had been scary moments with him as a policeman where um, I dropped to my knees and prayed, Lord, don't let this be that time. And um, and because of that, Chad and I had discussed, he had said to me, listen, if anything ever happens to me, you you go make a good life for yourself. Don't ever be afraid to remarry. I'll be in heaven. I'll be, you know, he knew where his his heavenly home, he knew his home, you know, the ultimate home. And um, he said, be happy. Um, it, it took a long time to find that. And uh, you just cannot prepare for the, uh, for that moment. And so, you know, I talk in my book um, a lot about uh, the peace. Philippians 4 promises um, a peace that will pass our understanding. And the word actually says that it will guard us. And I love to go back in the word of God to the original language and really study what, what did it say originally and what did it mean? And the word guard there in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 means that it, it's actually a military term, that God so fiercely guards our hearts and our minds with his peace that it's like a military uh, guarding its territory. And um, that's a very powerful picture. And Nancy, I felt that. I had that peace. Um, once the Chicago police learned that I was, that Chad was a police officer and I'm now a fallen officer's wife, I became precious cargo. And I remember them, um, by the time we finished IDing his body and doing, there's a ton of paperwork involved with death. And these are the things that you don't know until you walk through it. And once we finished up at the hospital, the press had already begun to gather outside the front door of the hospital. Um, trying to get this story. And uh, our life was a story for months and months and months. Um, but the police led me out the back of the hospital to an awaiting police car. And I remember getting in the police car and just being enveloped with the Holy Spirit and a peace of knowing that we were going to be okay. Mm. And, you know, I knew I made a decision in that moment that uh, we were going to feel every bit of this grief. I was going to shepherd my children through through the grief. We weren't going to go around it. We weren't going to deny it. We weren't going to try. And uh, um, I did. I did say to myself, um, "Okay, I know there's phases or stages to grief, and um, I know that one of them is anger, but." I, I am a, I'm a strong woman of God. I am seasoned in ministry and I'm going to skip that stage. <laughs> um, I'm very honest in my book that um, I, I didn't skip that stage. I, I couldn't, it's part of um, the working out of our faith. And that's so much of what's in my book is the working out of my faith and, and how that relates, you know, we're, we're all, you kind of all walk the same journey in a lot of ways. And so I pray that the book validates other people's journey through grief. Well, you know, I, I can't imagine what it must feel like 
um, to have lost somebody that was somebody you love so much. Uh, and there's so many people out there that are, are grieving right now going through this. And it's such a sad, sad thing. So, you know, you say you, it's good to just go through your grief and a lot of people, maybe they want to try to ignore it, but you're right. In the book, it talks about how to, to just, you know, walk with God through this grief. Um, so how can, not only can God help us, but how can, how can uh, support groups or people train for grief help? <laughs> how can you train for grief? Well, um, you know, I talk a lot in my ministry about laying a foundation of faith and the importance of building a foundation on the rock and um, the rock being the Lord and, <clears throat> and his word. And that's how we train for grief is having a solid foundation in the Lord. Um, the word foundation is defined as the part of the building that takes the weight that's put on it. W-E-I-G-H-T, the weight that's put on it and disperses it into solid ground. And in Isaiah, the word says that we need to build a foundation on God. And then in the New Testament, the word says that Jesus is our cornerstone. Mm -hmm. And the cornerstone is the very first stone laid in a foundation. And every other stone in a building or in a home is laid in relation to the cornerstone. And I love that, Nancy. I love that picture that that is the relationship that we are to build with Christ. And I, I teach that, you know, in our, in our marriages, uh, everything needs to relate to the cornerstone in our parenting. Everything needs to relate to our cornerstone in loving others everything needs to relate to that cornerstone and be built around that and if we settle into that in our lives and let me tell you if the devil can't make you be bad he'll make you be busy oh yes and we need to absorb that for a little bit the truth of that because um it takes constant um purpose mm -hmm. uh, to continually focus on Christ as the cornerstone and God is the foundation. And, and it is a building, it's a growing, it's a, it's being in the word of God. It's situating yourself under good teaching. It's pressing in and learning what, what does the Hebrew say? What does the Greek say? It's developing that relationship and, you know, walking through my grief, was so hard and so traumatic and so painful. I am an extremely passionate person, <laughs> extremely, I have big emotions. Um, and, and so I felt the pain so deeply. I felt the loss and the loneliness so deeply. I talk a lot about the alone of grief and never it's such a horrible alone. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm remarried today and, and so thankful and so happy. And um, my husband travels a lot for work, but I know he's going to come home. And the alone of grief is beyond anything you can really put into words because I knew Chad, he wasn't coming home. Mm 
and and shepherding these children through this horrible um, thing called grief when you're they were 11 9 and 6 the day he died and um, and it was so so hard but Psalm 139 says that we cannot escape the Spirit of God mm. and it says whether we're up high on the mountain or in the deepest valley we cannot get away from him and I would climb into that and I would let it wash over me the truth of it even though there were days I struggled to um, believe it because I felt so alone but I went back to the foundation and I I had to choose to trust that it was true, that everything in the word of God. And, you know, Job 325 says what I feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened. And I talk a lot in my book about the well-meaning Christians who were in and out of my life with a happy scripture. Hey, Romans 828 says all things work together for good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fine, who, wants, but... who wants to hear that, right? When you're yeah, grieving. Don't... Don't tell me that right now. Jeremiah yeah. 29, 11, everyone wanted to come at me with those, but there's also a season of Job 325, what I feared has happened. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage our Christ-loving, Christ-serving communities that we could be better as a community at getting down into the valley with people instead of always trying to pull them up and out of their valleys. Mm -hmm. Because... I had to walk through the valley and Jesus walked it with me. I mean, every step of it, he was in that valley with me, but boy, there were a lot of people who wanted to yank me up out of it. Come on, aren't you happy yet? Haven't you figured this out yet? Yeah, Put a happy yeah. verse on it. And, and there are seasons where we do walk through the valley of the shadow of death and it says walk. It doesn't say run. Yeah. It says walk. Yeah. And so that foundation and continually going back to the word of God, even, and I talk a lot about this in my book on the days that I um, struggled to believe the word, <laughs> I chose to stand on it and trust it and believe it. And I never wavered from that with my children. Um, church was not optional we were going to go to church even though it was painful and hard and we wept through church we were going to be there mm -hmm. and um that foundation proved to be so precious so that's how you prepare for everything in life is you you build a foundation on the lord mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people though that give up on god right in the midst of their grief because they don't they, they say to themselves well, why did God let this happen? I don't understand that. So how do you trust God, you know, when everything seems to be falling apart like that? Nancy, the, the answer to that is really complicated. And I will say I've given it a tremendous amount. I, I call it in my book, I call it the wrestle. I wrestled with God. And is he good? How can a good God allow this to happen and and then you layer on to my journey that i had three babies asking me questions um one day uh one of my kids i remember standing in the kitchen and and one of them looked up at me and said mama is daddy a skeleton yet oh, oh my gosh no he's not i mean how it's but but that's how their little minds were processing and 
Nancy, every night at dinner, my kids would sit down and they'd ask me, Mama, who did this? Did, did Jesus take daddy or did Satan take daddy? Who, whose fault is this? Because it's, it's our human nature. We want to place blame and we serve this good, good God who then we place blame. So many people would say to my kids, oh, honey, it's okay. Jesus just needed another policeman up in heaven. And I just wanted to smack them and say, don't tell my six-year-old that Jesus Mm -hmm. took his daddy because he needed a policeman in heaven. That's not how this works. And so there was a lot of wrestling in my faith, Nancy. And I'll be honest with you. I, I think the message I have might be kind of hard for the church because we have, um, we've kind of adulterated who God is and, and we, we have these trite sayings like, well, God just needed them as an angel. God needed another angel. He needed a policeman. God doesn't need anything from us. And he, he doesn't need us. The word says, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. So he, he doesn't need us. Mm-hmm. He wants us. Mm-hmm. He longs for our relationship with him. And because of that, he sent his son. We live in a fallen world and we have got to wrap our minds around that. Mm -hmm. This is not heaven. And I think we struggle to find joy because we think our joy is here. No, our joy is what are we focused on? The word says that Jesus went to the cross and just before he did, it says, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy? It was building up a bridge so that we could have eternal life once and for all. Absolutely. And the only way to answer this for my babies was to say that in God's perfect world, back when God created heaven and earth and man, when he created man and woman, there was no sin. There was no death. It's because of the fall that sin and death came into this world. That is not God's fault. It is not God's fault that Chad died. Mm -hmm. It is not God's fault that people have car accidents or have cancer or, and and we've got to stop placing the blame on God because how are we ever going to save a world when we say it's a God's a good God. God is a good God. He is so good that he sent his son to rectify this problem, this death sentence that we had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We no longer have a death sentence because he made a way, but for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross Mm -hmm. because he had his eyes on eternity. And that is the key to joy right there. Mm -hmm. When we keep our eyes on eternity, when we remember that we have a hope far beyond anything this world can offer. That is where our joy lies. Mm -hmm. That's how we find joy through grief, through struggle, through cancer, through disease, through heartache, through war. Our world is facing war, horrible, awful war. And that's how we find joy is to remember We have a heavenly home. We are just sojourners. And we've got to realize that we are not in heaven yet. We don't, we we live in a fallen world, but Jesus is the remedy. He is the remedy. He he died to give us eternal life. And that was a really hard wrestle. It took me a long time to figure out because we have so many 
trite sayings in our faith, you know, um, where we just want to make things simple. But um, in a way, we we adulterate the message of who God is by by these sayings, you know, well, God took him to be an angel or no, God, God didn't take him. We live in a fallen world with sickness and death and illness and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And, and because of that, he passed away. But Jesus made a way that we will one day be together again. Absolutely. And that is, that is our hope. That is where hope lies. That is where hope comes from. And that's where we need to stay focused. That was wonderful. And I'm sure you have touched someone's life today that really needed to hear that because they may be struggling with this loss that they're going through or know somebody that's going through a loss and maybe they need to just hunker back a little bit and give that person some space in their oh. journey through this, right? Yeah. Yeah. If we could just give one another grace, we preach grace, but boy, we are short to give it when people are hurting. We are an instant gratification society. And um, grief isn't instant. Grief takes time. It takes a long time. 150 years ago, if a woman was widowed, um, she was made to wear black for a year. And what that said to people, it signaled to people to kind of leave her alone. Yeah. Let her grieve. Give her her space. And boy, we don't do that today. It's, um, you know, are, are you, are, here's a happy verse. Are you over it yet? Why can't you get it together? And, um, you know, grief is a long, long process. And it, it's, a, it's an unwinding of your hopes, your dreams for your life. They, they just are shattered. And it, it's um, finding, um, finding new hopes, new um, dreams, uh, a new life uh, alone. And um, I talk in my book about, I, I hate it, Nancy. Everyone says, oh, you'll find a new normal. I mean, I can remember at the funeral people saying to me, oh, honey, you're going to find your new normal. And I'm like, I don't want a new normal. I like my old normal. Thank you very much. I don't want this normal. And, um, and I say in my book to grieving people that you don't need to worry about finding your new normal, it will find you. And when it does, it will almost be a relief. It, it will be okay because it is a process and it's a long, it's a long journey. And I just encourage anyone today who's grieving, number one, don't blame God for your grief. It, it isn't God's fault if it's the enemy's fault. The word is very clear that the enemy prowls around seeking to destroy us. And um, that's, not, that's not God's fault that you're in this journey. God is a faithful and good God. And in his word, that's what we find. I, I personally climbed into the Psalms. They gave me hope. David would cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, why, why am I in this situation? But then at the end of every one of them, Nancy, he comes back to saying, okay, Lord, I trust you. And that's, that's where I found my strength was crying out to God and then saying, all right, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. And grief is a long, long process. And there were certain people who, who didn't try to pull me out of my grief. They just got into it with me. Women who would come and just um, snuggle in my bed and let me cry. I mean, they'd 
hold me and let me weep and they would weep with me and um people who uh one family you know my husband died in october and christmas was just around the corner and i said we're not celebrating christmas this year we just can't and they said you are your children need to celebrate it and i said no and five women showed up on my doorstep one morning and they said we're here to put up your christmas decorations and I could tell I wasn't going to win this battle. I knew these women. And I said, fine. Then you better come back and take them down after Christmas. And guess what? They did. And that is being the body of Christ. That is getting into the valley with people. And uh, one family rented a refrigerator for us and kept it stocked with food. And these are the ways that we can be Jesus in flesh to people who are hurting not by trying to pull them out the lord can do that the holy spirit is so faithful and we need to not be the holy spirit <laughs> we need to be christ in flesh and love the hurting and um, give hope to their journey by being there for them so thank you for watching the call we hope you learned more about jesus through this video you can have a relationship with jesus just invite him into your life. Repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness, and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Until next time, may the Lord be with you. For more information about this ministry, go to the call with nancysabato.com where we are leading you to Christ through stories and teaching.